Good morning. This is the uh, fifth class on stewardship. Uh, so great to see everybody this morning. And uh, before we get started, let's, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we, uh, we thank you for our time together this morning. For your great name, will you increase our faithfulness. Plant us like the great cedars of Lebanon, that we would grow strong and trust in you to supply our every need, that we would be independent of man, independent of material things, but fully looking to you for our maintenance and survival. We thank you, Father, for your hand that has planted us, nourishes us, and protects us. We ascribe glory to you and to you alone. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, so last week, is that too loud? Am I, does it sound like I'm screaming <laughs> a little bit? Uh, last week, we, um, we learned how to steward the present wealth God has given us through budgeting and spending. And this morning, we're going to attempt to consider what God says about the kind of impact our financial decisions will have on our future. So everything we're going to talk about today has to do with, with the future. So debt is about paying in the future for what I have today, and savings is about paying today for what I'll have in the future. And as it turns out, God has a lot to say about the future. Specifically, he wants us to be wise and to understand how decisions we make today impact our lives tomorrow. Proverbs says, it is a trap for a man to dedicate something rashly and only later to consider his vows. Proverbs 20, 25. And so what that means, it's telling us that ignorance isn't bliss. It's actually foolishness. It's wise to consider the future and folly not to. In other words, playing dumb is not how we follow Jesus. The command to not worry in Matthew 6 is not, that's not what we're to do. When, in terms of thinking about the future. Ignorance doesn't exempt us from our sin, and it doesn't exempt us from being accountable for our finances. Instead, we're to grow in understanding how God wants us to think about the future. For example, Colossians 1, 9 and 10, we're to be filled with the knowledge of his will so that we can walk worthy of the Lord, bearing fruit in every good work. But of course... Thinking about the future may be important, but it also can be a source of great anxiety. My guess is that many of us who feel burdened when it comes to money and finances are burdened mainly by the worries about the future. As Proverbs says, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. So let's begin today's class as well by remembering that the future, your future, my future, is not foreign to God. He knows your future, all of our futures, perfectly. And as David writes, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Psalm 139, 16. And that, and that means that as we approach the topic of money and the future, we can do it with confidence that the same God that has led us in the past will walk with us into the future. So now with that, let's spend time talking about debt, and then we'll finish up our time talking about saving. So first, let's talk about debt. Again, debt can be defined as getting something now 
by paying for it later. And so how many of us here have some form of debt? Go ahead and raise your hand. Some form of debt. Raise your hand. And to some extent, credit is a necessary means of business. So I can rent a, I can rent a car a week but not pay for it until the week is over, right? And if you don't have a credit card, ask Andy Cooper if you can rent a car. He'll tell you the story about that. But what does God think about debt? Does God forbid borrowing? Well, for all of you who raised your hand, you'll be relieved to know that we can legitimately borrow money without sinning. God doesn't forbid all borrowing. In the Old Testament, we see that God actually permitted lending in the law given to the Israelites. Exodus twenty-two twenty-five says, If you lend money to one of, the, one of my people among you who is needy, do not be like a money lender. Charge him no interest. And in the New Testament, Jesus encouraged lending, lending and said, Love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Luke 6.35. So if God permitted lending, then it would naturally follow that he permitted borrowing as well. In fact, lending can sometimes be used to show mercy to those in need. And being able to borrow is a kindness from God. So but while we can borrow without sinning, we can also sin by, borrow, by borrowing. So while we can borrow without sinning, we can also sin by borrowing. Borrowing may be an outward act of, of the heart that it's impatient, greedy, lacking in faith. Romans 14, 23 tells us everything that God does, everything that, uh, everything that we do that doesn't come from faith is sin. For example, we may unfaithfully reason that God has failed to provide for our needs, and so we feel it is best in our best interest to borrow to supplement such shortcomings. Borrowing also becomes sin when we wrongly presume, presume upon God. What does that mean? One of two things. First, it means that we we're sinfully attempting to obligate God to pay for our debt. For example, it'd be like building up our credit card balance, expecting God to provide us with additional cash to pay it off. We're trusting God for something he's not promised us, and he actually may be against it. Second, wrongly presuming upon God for our debt is to ignore God's sovereignty over future. Presumption is pride. And we act as though we control our own destiny and the ability to pay off our debt. James writes in, in uh, chapter 4, verse 13 through 16, Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to, to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why do you, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Okay, so let's say that you examine the motives in taking on debt, and you don't find them to be sinful. What's next? Well, we should probably ask if borrowing would be wise. Simple question. Would, would it be wise? After all, Christian liberty allows for Christian stupidity, doesn't it? <clears throat> so how many of us like the option to be able to borrow money? Just the option to be able to borrow money. Raise your hand if you like the option. Why do you like it? Anybody willing to answer, why do you like the option to be able to borrow? 
money. Anybody willing to answer? Sam. What? Leverage. Okay. Anybody else? What? <laughs> there you go. Okay, that's good, yeah. That's good. <clears throat> okay, those are good. So there's some value in having credit made available to us, right? Credit allows us to provide for unforeseen emergencies, such as paying for a child's surgery. Credit allows us the opportunity to earn money pro by providing education for a trade or to start up a business. Businesses in turn create, in turn create wealth, and you're able to hire people. Microloans utilize around the world as a resource to help people get out of poverty. So credit, it allows big purchase, big, per, big ticket purchases, like uh, maybe to care for your family by buying a house or a car. So there's definitely benefits to borrowing. Okay, so if we like the option to borrow money, then show of hands of how many of us like debt. Come on now. <laughs> Why don't we like debt? Why don't we like debt? Anybody willing to answer that? It's expensive. Yeah. Makes us a slave. Yeah. Bur Someone said burden. What's that? Okay. Yeah. It's good. So, yeah, it's good. So, it isn't, again, all, it isn't always a sin, it's, but it is always a form of servitude and can feel like a burden or a heavy yoke. Proverbs says, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. This is generally true. Someone who must borrow by, is by nature of the transaction indebted to the lender. And the greater the need, the greater the lender's power over the, the debtor. In the Old Testament, if, the, if Israel failed to obey God's commands, God would curse them. And part of the curse meant that they would become debtors to the nation around them, to the nations around them. Listen to that read Deuteronomy 28, 43 through 45. The sojourner who, among, who is among you shall rise higher and higher above you, and you shall come down lower and lower. He shall lend to you, and you shall not lend to him. He shall be the head, and you shall be the tail. All these curses shall come upon you and pursue you and overtake you till you are destroyed, because you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes that he has commanded you. Debt also mortgages our future. It limits financial flexibility and the options that we may wish we had down the road it really kind of can hold you down. <clears throat> now, this isn't an argument for selfishly keeping our options open because we just like options. The point is that there's a lot of, of good that we will need to forego because of the future commitment that debt places on us. Now, with what we just read in Deuteronomy, it's as if the other nations or those sojourner, sojourners will own or have some control over the Israelites. And those, cons those constraints can hinder relationships, like an unwelcome impact on debt on a marriage. Debt is not something to enter into lightly. Debt is not something to enter into lightly. We should never view debt as our Savior. 
no matter how low the interest rate is. We're still obligated to pay it back, including the interest. And while we don't fear going to debtor's prison or being sold into slavery here in the U.S., other times and other places show these threats to be real. Remember, debt, just because a bank approves a loan doesn't mean that God does. And I've personally learned that the hard way. So, <clears throat> so let's make this practical for a minute. Let's say that you're thinking about taking out a loan to purchase a car. How should you be thinking about this? Well, there's three general questions you should ask. First, why do I need it? Why do I need the car? What are the reasons? Are they God-glorifying or selfish? Do I need the new wheels to attract babes, to make a statement that you're successful? Selfish reasons, right? Or do you need the car to fulfill a lifestyle you've chosen to best honor God, like things we talked about last week? Maybe the reason to buy a car is to help you get to work faster so you can spend more time with relationships or family. Again, examine your heart and what's driving your spending decisions. Okay, second, can you afford it? Can you afford it? Do you have the means to pay for it? Last week we said that God is not calling us to a lifestyle to expenses greater than our income. And remember Ben shared the skit, the SNL skit of Steve Martin. And I just thought it was interesting. The book that they're promoting that's free, it's one page, one chapter, one page book, and it's don't buy stuff you can't afford, right? Don't buy stuff you can't afford. And then you get an additional book with the, with the deal, the free book. And the other one is seriously, if you don't have the money, don't buy it. <laughs> so if you can take out a loan, have you amassed the, do, you, do you understand the risks and all the costs? Here's where budgeting that we discussed last week is, is hugely beneficial, very important. Because the, the cost of buying a car it, uh, is more than just repaying the loan, right? We must first pay the interest for the incredible privilege of taking out the loan. Then we must pay sales tax, car insurance, registration, gas, maintenance as well. Do you have enough to pay for all of these? So that's that idea of just can you afford it? <clears throat> So have you considered all alternatives before going into debt? Can you, bring in, can you do a, an additional job, bring in home more money, additional income? Uh, can you sell another asset to pay for it instead of going to debt? Can you cut back on expenses? Give up certain conveniences, such as maybe Netflix, Disney+, Plus, Hulu, YouTube, Apple TV, and maybe just go to one. <clears throat> you could buy a cheaper car. Maybe you could use different modes of transportation, such as walking, biking, a scooter, or bumming rides. Have you thought about saving up for the expense first? One thing that marks our culture is the desire to get what we want when we want it. But impatience, impatience is not a fruit of the Spirit. Do we think that God doesn't provide for his people? How absurd, right? Of course he does. From placing man on the world after everything was set up, to placing his son on the cross after everything was messed up. God has always provided for our needs. Now here in America, we define needs more liberally than he has, but we should not go beyond scripture for what God promises his children. And we must trust God by exercising more patience by taking on debt, before taking on debt. When it comes to debt, a man's wisdom gives him patience, Proverbs 19.11. For one thing, patience keeps us from making an impulsive decision 
spontaneous that we'll regret later. Being patient allows for more time to see things accurately, to pray, to seek counsel. It's also a great way to discipline yourself to save up for a down payment, such as save 50% of the cost before making the per- purchase. This, all, this, this not only reduces the overall loan, but enables us to establish habit of making the payments on a purchase before payments are mandatory. <clears throat> Finally, have you assessed the risk associated with the loan? What if you default? What if you default? Proverbs warns that if you lack the means to pay, for, pay a debt after putting up security with all you have, you're, you have to give up your very bed. It'll be taken away. And, and is the value of having a loan worth the risk of losing your house? Um, are you willing to assume other risks, such as the added stress and pressure of paying off the loan? So all debt is servitude. By the degree of servitude depends on the degree of depart- servitude depends on our ability to undo the obligation. So uh, there's a type of debt that we have to think about, the type of debt, the, what kind of debt it is. So for example, a car loan can be greatly reduced or even paid off by selling the car tied to the debt. Uh, it will likely have less impact on our lifestyle choices than other debt, such as credit card debt. So, and by the way, I, I don't know if you guys saw in the news this week, credit card debt in America went over a trillion dollars. Uh, it's all-time high. And, and what's amazing is, um, you know, the, the pandemic, they sent all this money out, and credit card debt after the pandemic was at a um, kind of historical low from the time. So it hasn't taken very long for us to get to this point. And so I would just say if you're in credit card debt and you have no way um, to, to pay it off, then let me encourage you to, to first cut them up and then to seek counsel. Um, and that, that leads to my next point. The third and final, have you sought godly counsel from others that you know and trust before going into debt? This goes along with the transparency discussion that we had last week. I think this is one that, as a church, we should aim to grow in. Let me encourage you to seek counsel if you are in significant debt, and also when making a large purchase that will require debt. This is a practice in my life that has been super helpful. And if you come and ask me a question about debt, I'm just going to share with you what has been told to me by, by people that, have, that were older than me. And my dad was a, my dad's was a, a banker, so I, I understood the impacts of debt early on. And he, he, the, thing that he, the rule that he, he gave me or taught me was that if it doesn't appreciate, don't get, a, don't get a loan on it. And so that was kind of the way that I approached, um, approached, approached debt. That's the way I approach it. And it hasn't always been that, ca- that way, so I'll, I'll share a personal story here soon. But. So, um, again, the encouragement would be to save, save up. Prepare for the expense that you want to take on if it's buying a car. Um, but that's not all, we can't always do that. So um, there's, again, there's liberty. But I would encourage you to, to seek counsel. The larger the debt, the more you should research and, and, and seek counsel and pray, right? Again, if you have student debt or vehicle debt or even credit card debt, it doesn't mean you're in sin, but it may mean that you made a sinful decision. 
So before you go into debt, pray about it. Examine your motives. This seems like a no-brainer, but examine your motives. Proverbs says, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Okay, so let's say we've been talking a lot about decisions with regard to debt, but let's say that you're, you're in a lot of debt already. You have, two, you have a ton of debt right now. What should you do? Well, the quick answer is pay it back. <clears throat> Paul says in Romans 6, or sorry, Romans 13, give everyone what you owe him. Let no debt remain outstanding. And it's interesting, yesterday, uh, Richie and Michelle Miller came by, and, and then uh, they were coming by for Joy's uh, garage sale. And, um, and Richie saw Chaz walk up, walking down the, the driveway. And he was like, Michelle, I told you, I might see him. I need to pay him back for golf Friday. And I thought it was, I thought it was so interesting. He, that man wants to pay back his debts. He wanted to pay back his son who paid for golf uh, on Friday. Um, and so, again, Scripture encourages if we're in debt to pay it as quickly as we can. Scripture also tells us that the wicked who borrow and don't, you're wicked if you don't borrow and repay. So I know a lot about debt, and it it isn't a simple thing always to undo. And it takes a lot of time and sacrifice. The The longer answer is that if you need to reflect on why you have so much debt, it's possible to come into debt involuntarily. Perhaps a marriage that went you know, your spouse left, took the money, you ended up with the debt. Perhaps a business didn't go as planned. But for most of us, we have too much debt because of unwise and possibly sinful choices. Choices that stem from greed, impatience, and materialism. Greed, impatience, and materialism. So we must repent by confessing our sin and seeking counsel. We must take responsibility for our actions by humbly working with our creditors to reconcile and to pay back the debt. Jesus said, settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court, or he may hand you over to the judge and you may be thrown into prison. I tell you the truth, you will not get out, of, get out until you have paid the last penny. Jesus' points, point is to reconcile now to avoid a harsher judgment later. Repentance also involves taking steps so that the same decisions aren't repeated, such as refraining from using a credit card. So I, I, um, I started trading real estate in 2002. Uh, I, I actually was in college. It was, it was super easy to get a loan at the time. I had college income and was getting loans for real estate property. Um, and so I got, Lee and I got married in t- 2004. And by 2005, I decided that I was going to buy a commercial building and, and lease it out. So I, I go to Lee. I told her about it. And she said, no, she thought, she thought it was a bad idea. She was like, I don't have a good feeling about it. It seems too expensive. And so what did I do? I moved forward. I bought it anyway. I said, you're a teacher. You don't know what you're talking about. Man, well, this is 2005. So those of you who have lived here a long time and, and know what happened in 2006, in Northwest Arkansas. Turns out my wife is an excellent real, in real estate. She's phenomenal. Um, she can actually come, we'll see kind of into the future a little bit. So um, I moved forward, you know, buy it. Uh, and that's a, obviously a, uh, a quick marriage tip for high schoolers or college. Do not buy anything <laughs> uh, without a pinky swear 
that's beyond, I don't know, 100 bucks, $200. So, um, but, so the real estate market imploded. My tenants began to struggle to pay. Uh, some couldn't pay. Some paid half. So this means that I'm having to make up the difference, right? And um, that meant also that we couldn't go on vacation. That meant that we couldn't save. That meant that uh, I had to work a lot to, to, uh, to pay this obligation. And I can just say it felt like a intense burden. Um, and it was like this dripping faucet on my, my head that the, the months were coming so quickly um, where I had to make the payment. And God helped me out of this situation. But I can assure you that I pleaded with God to help me out of the situation. Tons of repentance um, through it, both to God and to Lee. For I was greedy, and I was impatient, and I was prideful. And so debt in that way is a huge burden. And so by God's grace, he brought me through that, and we sold the building, and um, and our marriage is strong, and, you know, so I'm thankful. <laughs> um, but we're ultimately, we're all debtors, debtors to God's mercy. We could only be, re- I could only, we, we all could only be released from debt of sin through Christ. Jesus went to great lengths to pay off our debt, and we should be of the same mind. <clears throat> now, my decision to set up, you know, um, my, my decision in, the, in that uh, pro- property set me back, set us back financially in a large way. But by God's grace, I grew spiritually. I grew closer to God and leaded too. So, um, so some of these trials through financial decisions can be really a growing thing, even though your, your balance sheet or your, your income or your money is not. So uh, any, any thoughts here? Any questions? Any comments? Yes, sir. Yep. 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 That's good. I totally agree. <laughs> yeah. Yep. No, it's, it's, uh, yeah, no, I mean, the burden that I felt was, I mean, it was, it was like, you know, it was kind of like having a plague or something and you're just monthly experiencing that, but I deserved it. You know, it was a decision that I had made and I had to, I had to, you know, find find a way out, trusting in the Lord. But, but it was a lot of, it, it, it cost, you know, there was a huge cost. Like there wasn't vacation. There wasn't a lot of things that we wanted to do. And again, every month when, or, or whenever it'd be like, Hey Lee, Lee's like, can we go on a trip? And I'd be like, no. And she's like, why? 
Well, because of this decision. So it was something we had to constantly work on and forgive each other. And so, so don't, don't do it, guys. You young people, don't do it. Any other thoughts, comments, questions? Okay, we're going to take a 180. We're going to talk about saving. We're going to do a 180. <clears throat> so let's suppose you've been through this class and you've considered yourself to be generous in your giving. You don't spend above your basic lifestyle and you're readily paying down your debt. But you're not saving for the future. Does that mean you're foolish? Or on the other hand, does it mean that you have great faith? Well, that's what we want to explore the remainder of our time together as we think about saving our money. And earlier we defined debt as getting something now by paying for it later. And savings is the opposite. It's getting something later by paying for it now. So how, much of us, how many of us, by show of hands, enjoy saving? Enjoy saving. Benjamin does. Few of us. What about a kid? What do, they, what do they do with the piggy bank? They want the piggy bank broken, right? I mean, they want, they want the money. I don't really enjoy saving, but. <clears throat> but what does God think about saving money? What does God, that's what we should be concerned about. What does God think about saving money? He thinks it's wise. That's right. That's good. The first thing that we should understand is that the Bible is in favor of planning for the future. <clears throat> Listen to this. Go to, the, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its way and be wise. It stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. Proverbs 6. Elsewhere, it says that plans lead to profits, and it's, wise who, and, and it's the wise who store up, whereas the fool devours all he has. Joseph is a great example of wisely planning and saving for the future after receiving revelation from God. He stored up Egypt's grain to provide for the people during the famine. So we see that saving is God's normal means of enabling us to provide for the future. <clears throat> Don't ignore God's means of provision. Otherwise, you'll be like the, the fable fool who was swept away in the flood who refused to be rescued by the passing boat or the helicopter because he was waiting for God to rescue him. He didn't realize that the boat and the helicopter were God's means of rescue. So there's some dangers to not saving for the future. That future might include unanticipated expenses or loss of income. We live in a fallen world that's full of surprises. So it's prudent to set aside some cash for these sorts of emergencies. It keeps us from living paycheck to paycheck and having to borrow each time we incur an unexpected expense. God doesn't want us to be a burden on others. Instead, he wants us to bless others. Money is inherently rational, and having available cash on hand can help to provide for, other, for others that are in need. So we can also save for large expected expenses, such as the birth of a child, a down payment on a home, tuition, or a new car. We can save for retirement when our income is reduced or, de or deteriorating health is pending. It's also good for parents to save for their children. Proverbs 13.22 says, A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. The main thing is that every dollar we keep in savings is marked for the purpose of glorifying God. 
Every dollar that we keep in savings is marked for the purpose of glorifying God. Just like we, we talked about uh, last week with, with the budget, every, you should have line items that they should all fit glorifying God. So it's prudent to plan and save for the future, but it's also possible to sin in the process. <clears throat> this is the danger with money. There are two sides of every coin, right? Jesus told in a parable about a man who received a large crop and decided to big, build bigger barns and store up grain so he could take <clears throat> life easy. What happened? God said, you fool. This very night your life will de- be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And Jesus goes on to say, This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. This is the definition of hoarding. Selfishly accumulating wealth without without consideration towards God. And hoarding is sin. We're to save for a purpose. Don't just save for saving's sake or for selfish reasons. Again, that's hoarding. God calls us to use our wealth, the wealth he's given us, to glorify him and to graciously, generously bless others. Proverbs says, people curse the man who hoards grain, but blessing crowns on him who is willing to sell. Hoarding doesn't just affect others. Ecclesiastes tells us that wealth is hoarding to the harm of its owner. And James tells us that God will judge us for it if we hoard in James 5. Ultimately, hoarding is a selfish greed and idolatry. It's an act of independence from God. As the hoarder trusts in his wealth for security. Whoever trusts in his riches will fall. Proverbs eleven twenty eight. <clears throat> Instead of owning money, it will own you. The more a hoarder saves over time, the further his allegiance is from God. And Greg Gilbert famously says, spiritual shipwreck doesn't just happen in a moment, but it's a slow and quiet drifting away out to sea. We all have seen what can happen to someone that falls into the trap of the love of money, and it doesn't happen overnight. So then the hoarder and the biblical saver can save the, the same amounts of funds, but the motivations and their hearts are opposed. One saves trusting in his wealth, and the other saves trusting in God. So far in this class, we've discussed giving, <clears throat> we've t- discussed spending, debt, and then now savings. And questions arise uh, uh, about which of these areas have priorities over others. So should we pay off debt or save for retirement? Should I save later for this or spend now for that? Should I give to the church or pay off debt? And each situation is different. And there's not a one-size-fits-all answer. Saving for the future need, needs are we must be wise. But it's also a luxury that many don't have. <clears throat> so, but for those that do save, how much should we save? What's the amount? Is there a formula? Maybe 5% of your earnings? It would be nice to have some sort of uh, some, a verse in Scripture, but, <clears throat> um, you know, that would maybe be a help. It would certainly lessen the temptation to be anxious about the future. But God chose not to reveal this to us in his word. Why? I think it's because he wants us to not trust a formula, but to trust in him. Having this tension about 
What to save, what to keep, what to give away is good for us to struggle through. It teaches us to lean on God and to store up treasures in heaven by trusting in him with our wealth. So by way of reminder, what do we learn about uh, the manna that God provided the Israelites in the wilderness? What do we learn about that story? Who's willing to share? What's that? Daily. Daily. Yeah, daily. What else? If they, if they try to keep it, what happened? Yeah, it's stung. It's full of maggots. Yeah. <clears throat> he wants us to trust him daily. God fed them to provide manna on the ground each day, but God told them not to gather it, uh, just eat what was needed for the day. <clears throat> he did this to teach Israel to trust in him for providing for their future even when they had nothing. So he's showing them something about their future. They're in a place that has no water. He's providing their water. He's providing their food. And he's going to continue to do it through the future. And ultimately, that manna is pointing to Jesus, right? <clears throat> Saving for the future doesn't mean that you're not trusting in God, although it could mean that. Saving money can be, wi- be a wise stewardship for future needs, as long as our plans are committed to the Lord. Proverbs 16.3 Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. The question of how much should I save is different for each person. But the motives should be the same. We should desire to glorify God and to be faithful to Him. There's a huge difference between how the world saves and how a Christian saves. The world trusts in their savings. Their savings is everything to them. So when the stock market dips or their house burns down, Fear, anxiety, and stress go rampant because that's all they had. Savings are not eternal. God is. The Christian, however, doesn't fear a stock market plunge or a loss of an asset because our trust is in God. Jesus tells his disciples, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Matthew 6, 31-33. The goal of saving for the Christian is simple, to be faithful. God will provide. If we've been <clears throat> responsible with what, with what we've received, then our goal, faith, in, our, in our goal of faithfulness, it's accomplished. We've been considered faithful. And it doesn't matter if we end up with nothing for retirement due to the circumstances beyond our control. God is well aware of our situation. Our job as Christians is just to be faithful. If you have been given the means to wisely save up for anticipated future expenses, good. Praise God. Be thankful that God has provided in this way. If you haven't been given the means to save, Good. Praise God. You're in the proper position to trust in him, which is exactly where he wants you to be. Remember who God is. He is our heavenly father who compassionately cares for his children. He's our sovereign Lord who causes all things to come to pass for the good of those who trust in him. He's our prince of peace who removes our fears of the future. He's our rock 
who shelters us. He's our good shepherd who quiets our soul and extends mercy and goodness all of our days. He's the God who looks after the widow and the orphan. He's the God who cares for Israel and his sons amidst the severe famine, who made Esther queen at such a time of despair, who sent angels to feed and strengthen Elijah, and who taught Paul to be content in all circumstances. We could go on and on, but the point is this. As Christians, we're not to worry about tomorrow. We're to seek Christ's kingdom and commit ourselves to his will. God, God may call us to a future of hardship, persecution, but even, but even in these, God, who did not spare his own son, won't forsake us. He's our refuge and is working all things for good for those who believe in him, who love him. Any, any, uh, any questions, any comments, any thoughts? Anything come to mind? Sam. Uh, what kind of debt? Credit card? Car? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think <clears throat> as I kind of reflected on this and, and um, thought about, I feel like there's an aim to, to uh, pay off debt as quickly as possible. But obviously, you can't put yourself in a, in a, a spot where there's some, maybe some unexpected thing and you're not prepared for that. But I would say it just kind of depends on the type of debt. And... Um, there's certain debts like a credit card that is just multiplying, you know, I mean, interest rates, 20%, 23%. I mean, I would pay that off as fast as possible, you know, <clears throat> but, and I would just, I, I would just, I'll take a, uh, I'll just tell you guys that, and there's many in this room that would probably be more than willing, but if you're in in credit card debt or something that is just a total burden financially, um, I would be happy, Ben would be happy, Sam, many of us would be happy to meet with you and, and try to help in any way. And also just, I mean, if nothing else, to pray and uh, about it and to figure out, like, ask for wisdom from God. So just know that's standing, and I know there's multiple people in here that would love to help. So... Um, Yes, sir. Jeremy.
Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. I think that to that point, you know, you there's a pull in our I mean, he says do not be anxious for a reason we're going to be anxious. There's a pull to be anxious about the future, particularly with finances and what's going to come. And so <clears throat> I think we're to confess that we're to feel that tension of trusting God to provide tomorrow and the next day. And so when a need arises or something that you can help with in the body or um, feel that tension of like, is, am I pulled towards anxiety of saving, hoarding, or should I trust God to and give? Um, so I think there's a, a you know, tension there that we have to wrestle with. Any other thoughts? Thank you, Jeremy. Questions? Okay. Um, to uh, just to conclude, only God knows the future. <clears throat> Yet He's revealed to us how to be wise in ordering life, in ordering our lives today in preparation for tomorrow. Christ promised he will return. And since he's paid our debt of sin, let's work on saving up treasures in heaven and to glorify his name. Let's pray.